Hello, friends. Welcome to Success for Whole Ass Humans. I'm your host, Shari Bellucci, success strategist and well being coach for entrepreneurs, creatives, artists, activists, and thought leaders. I'll be your guide as well as your companion along the journey to cultivating a life grounded in your version of success while navigating the ups and downs that come with living a life as a whole ass human. We're often all going through such similar experiences, and yet we still feel isolated in them. I've created this space because I know that there's power in having our experiences normalized and how deeply transformative it is to know that you are not alone. If you're going through an experience that's challenging or complex in your life or business, and your brain has hit a wall, I want this to be the space that helps you open up that dialogue and conversation with yourself so you can explore and look at things in a way that ultimately helps you feel better and lighter. Like all of my content, my intention is not to present a one-size-fits-all solution, but to offer you possibilities to help you move through the stuckness so you can truly embrace your identity as someone who gets to create wild success, whatever that means for you, while being a whole-ass human. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, friends. Today, I'm going to talk with you about how to hire the right coach after you had a bad experience. I know it is really common in our space to have had negative experiences with past coaches, mentors, or other hires. And I want to kind of talk through what it looks like to move from that space to being able to invest and hire again and rebuild your sense of trust and have the clarity on how to make that decision after you've had a negative experience, because I just think it it happens so damn often. Um, and part of that is a problem within the industry. And part of that is just the learning curve of business. And so I want to kind of teach on how to cultivate this skill because it is something that I had to learn through entrepreneurship. And I think that It is such a vital skill to be able to continue trusting yourself to grow and expand your business. So I think for many, many of us, and I will include myself in this, is we have an experience where the person that we hire isn't actually a bad person or a person that we dislike, but there was something in the experience that we were disappointed with, right? Maybe it was a slimy sales tactic. Maybe it was a lack of transparency on what was going to be included in the kind of support you were experiencing. But maybe you like this person as a human or you get along and you think they're really nice. I think this is pretty common. Um, So there's like the disappointment in what happened after you actually joined the program or hired this person for their services, but you actually had really good interactions on the front end. And in my particular experience with my first coach, I actually even had a a VIP day with my coach before hiring her long-term. And the work we did was actually really amazing inside of the VIP day. It just wasn't what I was expecting or was sold in the long-term package. And there were a lot of other elements there, right? Feeling over-invested, a sales process that wasn't designed for safety, um, and all of those things that led to my experience not feeling good. So I, after I made that um, investment and closed out my work um, with that coach eventually, it probably took me six to nine months to hire another mentor 
um, and feel confident in that approach. And honestly, even when I when I made that decision, I didn't feel 100% confident, but it ended up being a really beautiful experience and everything that I was hoping for. The other experience that I think is really common as well in, in this industry and that I've had a lot of past clients um, reflect as well is feeling manipulated or even abused or um, gaslit in their containers and not adequately supported. And so it feels really difficult to show up, to trust, and to have faith in the experience again. I think both of these um, types of experiences, whether it is liking the person but not liking the product, or whether it is actually like experiencing harm in a container in a different way. Um, and so often it's a combination, right? I would say that my experience was was a version of a combination of things. Um, and so those are experiences that if you've had are very normal. Unfortunately, I wish they weren't par for the course in online business ownership. I think, of course, there's value in learning hard lessons, but I also think that a lot of this is preventable, and I believe that the culture shift we're experiencing in our industry right now is going to help align things to move more towards more transparency, more authenticity, more discerning buyers, um, more stringent requirements on marketing and promises. And I think all of those things are going to help reduce the amount of harm and bad experiences. But we also are navigating, you know, being here and now and this being a real threat. So I kind of want to chat with y'all about that today. So I've come up with in true Shari fashion, a five step process. So first step after having a bad experience, I would say if you want to have support again, and you want to kind of deal with and heal what happened in your previous container is you need to get clear on what didn't work for you what disappointed or hurt you most about your past experience or experiences. Specifically, I think it's helpful to identify the things that were in the other person's control, what was in your zone of control, and what was uncontrollable, right? I think what happens so often is when we are in the experience itself, um, those things get muddy. And then when we're out of the experience and we have the hindsight and ability to reflect on what happened, those things kind of get mixed up a lot and we tend to to not hold all of them. Um, like we tend not to hold the spectrum of all of those factors. We tend to lean more towards one. So sometimes depending on how you process or what your brain's default patterns are in terms of processing pain, right? You might be more likely to blame the other person and really focus on all the things that this person did that um, that made your experience bad. If you process pain in another way, you might actually be the type of person to put a strong emphasis on yourself and almost take over responsibility and blame yourself for that interaction or quote unquote, letting it happen, right? Or you might be kind of in a third camp and really tend to go towards the external and be like, oh my gosh, there was no way I could have known that. Um, this was just out of my control. Everything's out of my control, right? So we tend to have like these three different crisis ways of processing pain, right? We're either 
fully offload it externally and blame other people. We fully take it on ourselves and blame ourselves. Or we kind of like surrender to the chaos and sink into despair. And you might have a lesser intense version of this, but I think it's really helpful to process through that and come back to, okay, how do I really think about what was in each of these elements? What was in the other person's control that didn't go well? What was in my my zone of control that didn't go well? And what was really uncontrollable? And I think just those three lenses are so helpful in getting a little bit more neutral and clear and grounded around the experience that you had so that you know what needs to be solved. That way you're not trying to solve things that are unsolvable. You're not trying to, um, you know, leave things unhealed. And you're also really making sense and identifying your needs based on what you learned in that experience. Step two, I would say, is think about are there any things you know really support you with feeling safe or opening up in a coaching relationship? So this is your chance to really get clear on your needs and think about like, what are those things that would help you feel safe? It doesn't mean that those are universally things that everyone needs to have. You are actually using this to specifically identify your needs and almost what are those? It's kind of like finding your love language in a relationship, right? No love language is better than the other, but there is probably one or two that resonates more specifically with you and how you like to receive love. And the same thing can be true for feeling safe and connected and open in a coaching relationship, right? Or whatever service you're hiring for in this instance that didn't go well that you want to hire for again. So maybe it's, you know, knowing that the other person has an identity that you share Maybe it's a marginalized identity and that creates some safety. Maybe there's a gender that makes you feel more safe. Maybe there is an experience or a set of values that you know makes you feel more safe. Maybe there is a type of um, like aspect to the way that they support people. Maybe they allow you to send voice notes and you feel a lot safer being able to process um, auditorily. Maybe... They, um, you know, just, just really thinking through like, what are the things that would support you in feeling safe and open in that relationship and just getting clear on that. Okay. Step three, I would say is the, the most extensive bucket here. And this is to research and interview the coach or service provider, right? So I think that there's kind of two elements to this research process. One is the questions that you want to ask. And then there's like the research that you want to do, right? Things you want to notice, things you want to look up and all of that. So first I want to talk through things. Actually, first I want to talk through the questions you can ask this person on a discovery call or their sales process that can help you um, make a more informed decision when it comes to hiring the right fit for you. I would recommend asking about their process for how they lead people through transformation or how they help people get results or their coaching process. I would ask about their process. I think a lot of disappointment with investments comes because we didn't really focus on what process was going to take place. And 
oftentimes, particularly I think when it comes to like group programs or courses, we are just focused on the result that was promised. And we didn't really think about whether or not we agreed with the process. And so sometimes we think we're going to get something like new and revolutionary. And then we join the program and we realize it's things we already knew, right? And things that we expected to be different, unique, transformational. And that was disappointing. Or it might be that the process that this person really believes in doesn't align with your belief system about how things work, right? Maybe this person really believes in manifesting or has a belief about energy, and this is actually not aligned with your belief system, right? That's going to be really difficult for you to have a good experience and see the results you want if that is their process. So I think asking about their process is really valuable. I also think um, it's really valuable to ask about how they support and resource themselves as someone who leans um, very caregiver and nurture, nurturing, um, I really like to ask this question of anyone I hire to support me because part of me feeling safe is knowing that the person on the other end doesn't need me to take care of them if something comes up either within our um, support relationship with me as the client or in their personal life, right? So I think especially in today's day and age where we're all navigating so much in our personal lives, you never know what could happen for a person, but knowing that there's some safety in the fact that if something comes up for them, they have the tools to be able to still show up for you with integrity is really important. I think a lot of times what can happen is that people get overwhelmed. They don't have the skills and the resources emotionally and mentally to be able to regulate or get support. And so they end up um, deflecting and projecting a lot on their clients. And so I think just looking at what someone is mindful of in terms of their own boundaries and support systems is also really clarifying for you to be able to say like, oh, is this person have the ability to really hold and support me through this very vulnerable coaching process? The other question I think that's really useful is to ask about their personal beliefs around creating change, transformation, or business success, and asking why. I think this is a question that I feel like very few people ask. And hopefully, if someone is creating content and you've discovered them through one of their um, pieces of marketing or content, you have a good sense of what their personal belief system is. But I think this is the part that I don't know why we don't ask this. It's crazy that we don't ask this because this actually is very much deeply tied to how someone is going to coach you, is based on their personal beliefs about what it takes to create change or transformation, right? And so you want to make sure that there's some values alignment between what they believe creates change and what they're going to help you do to create change. If they believe that it is all about having the right strategic actions and executing them on a daily basis, but you are someone with chronic illness and you believe that you're doing all the right things, but you're really not backing that up with belief and you need to work on your confidence, you're immediately probably going to have a um, disappointing experience because the way that they're going to emphasize in their container to 
bringing results is by helping you perfect your action items and they're going to require consistency on a daily basis to feel like you're hitting the mark. If you feel like your energy ebbs and flows due to your health in such a way that showing up every day isn't something that is going to be possible for you, then their method is probably not going to be super relevant to your life experience and your desired way of operating your business. So I think just getting clear on that and then asking why is so useful because um, I think there's a lot of terms that we use that everyone has their own definition for, right? So I feel like mindset is a big one. Strategy is another big one. Consistency is another big one. And so really getting clear on if they say, I think your mindset is a huge part of the business success process and what creates change. Why do you think that, right? And hearing that explanation might be really helpful for you to understand their perspective there. Because for me, I remember one of the questions that I asked after having my first experience with my coach and then looking to hire my next coach was like, how woo are you? (laughs) Because what I found with my first coach was she was very much in the spiritual realm and a lot of the beliefs and mindset shifts that she encouraged me to adopt were not in alignment with my belief system or my values. And I found it really hard to find an entry point to take advice and move myself forward that didn't require adopting a belief I didn't have. Right. And I also found that it didn't really account for my own lived experience and how um, I had seen suffering and pain and some of those things work and privilege, right, was another big one. And so knowing that I was very concerned that if someone had a lot of um, dependency on energy and the soul and spiritual beliefs as part of their coaching, that that was going to make it hard for me to fully let them in and take their advice. The irony of this is I am a deeply spiritual person. I do believe in energy and manifestation and all of those things, but you know, I take a unique approach. And so when I was hiring this coach, I asked her like, how woo are you? She was like, oh, I'm, I'm all the way on the woo spectrum. But I also have clients who are not, and I'm really happy to meet them where they are at. The way that I see mindset and the woo is that that is one lens or articulation of it. But there's also my psychology background and what I know about the brain. And so these are the ways that that connects for me, right? And so her articulation of it meant that I could still operate and have success in her program, even with a different belief system. So it didn't mean that we had to have the same belief system necessarily, but it meant that she had the skills to adapt her coaching methods to my needs, regardless of whether we shared a belief system. And I think that is a very unique skill that is very valuable for a coach that you hire. Okay, the another question that I think is really useful to ask is what they love helping their clients with most. I think this is such an insightful question because what often happens and I think has been happening more since COVID and seeing a massive influx of people join the online space and become quote unquote business coaches, right, is that people really like working with a certain type of client or helping them with a certain problem but maybe they haven't refined their marketing to really speak to that only specifically. And so 
you assume that all things business are kind of of interest, but sometimes people don't like working with a certain aspect and that might be the aspect you want the help with most. And so they might show up for that work inconsistently or with different varying levels of skill set, right? And also personally for me, I love working with people who love what they do and who are lit up by the work that they do. For me, again, as a caretaker, as someone who tends to be overly nurturing, I can relax a lot more into something knowing that it's not depleting the other person and knowing that part of what they're doing for me actually brings them joy. And so I really like to to see what they love helping their clients with most and seeing if and see if that aligns with the kinds of things that I want help with specifically in my business. The last question that I think is useful to ask is whether they think the program or service that you're um, you're having a call with them about solves the gap that you're currently experiencing or solves the current challenge that you're trying to get help with. So for instance, if you are trying to deal with a revenue issue and you want to sign more of a specific kind of client for the work that you do, right? Your biggest challenge is I need to get clients. I need to figure out where my clients that I want to work with are and how to attract them. Then I think it's really helpful to ask, do you think that coaching solves the gap that I'm experiencing there? Or maybe your issue is I feel really burnt out all the time. I feel emotionally exhausted and I feel like I'm not able to separate the things that are happening in my personal life from things that are happening in the business. And it's really activating me. Maybe you're interviewing someone who is a social media manager. Do you think this program solves that gap? Probably not, right? And so I think it's important to say, especially as a past um, done-for-you service provider myself, as someone who knows the difference between consulting and coaching and the different types of support that you can hire, I think it's really important to ask the person that you're considering hiring, like their perspective on whether this really does solve the gap. Because sometimes people can help you, but that doesn't mean that they're the most obvious solution or effective solution to solve your challenge. And I think it's just helpful to to name that and be explicit with that. Okay, so those are a list of questions that I think are really useful to ask. And then in addition to that, I think it's really helpful to tune into a couple of things and notice for yourself through the research and interviewing process. I would say notice how how engaging and consuming their content makes you feel. I would say also take notice of how you feel on the call with them and then also how you feel after the call with them. The other thing that I think is worth paying attention to is the level of patience they have with your decision process and how they respond to your questions as you're in this discovery and exploratory phase. Are they really unresponsive? Are they um, really short, abrupt, and annoyed with your questions? Are they really generous with giving you their time and answering questions? Are they pressuring you to make a decision quickly? Are they encouraging you to take a day to process if you need a day? Are they asking for payment immediately on the phone? Are they... um, you know, are they following up with you if if they said they would? Like, what are all of those things? 
Again, none of these things to notice means that there's a clear right or wrong answer depending on how they respond. But I think it's so easy for us to get really in our heads and make this decision, quote unquote, logically. And I think when we stay in our heads and try to make the most logical decision, we actually end up operating from our like automatic emotional state in a very reactive place. Versus, I think if you slow down and notice these other responses, that helps you really get in tune with the true emotions that are coming through in your body. What are those physical responses that are telling you how this person is making you feel? Because how they make you feel in the sales process is often very similar to how they will make you feel in the program. It's never the case where they're going to make you feel shitty in the sales process, and it's going to get better when you join their program. So if your eyebrows start to raise during the discovery process, really pay attention to that and let yourself not assume that paying them is going to solve the problem. If someone is giving you a positive experience in the sales process, that's a beautiful green flag to keep going. Of course, it's always possible that someone is very generous in the sales process and then doesn't deliver on the other other side. And that's why I think having those specific filtering questions are really useful. But I think never assume that something that feels off to you in the sales process is going to feel much better on the other side. Okay, last part of this research and interview step is to get client references. You can ask the coach for these directly and if they would be willing to put you in touch with a couple of past clients that you could speak with. Um, You can look at their testimonials or client reviews page or um, places where they've tagged past clients and reach out to those clients directly. I really, really encourage this. I wish we did this more. Uh, I know that as you go further and further along into business, a lot of seasoned business owners will do this because it's so normal. Like we can't just take people's marketing at face value anymore. And it's very easy to skew um, people's results in their own marketing. It just is. Even if you're being the most transparent person, there is no way to tell the difference between someone who is being true to what their client said, someone who is being true about the volume of results that their clients have had versus someone who is not right. Some things that can happen if you're newer to this space, just so you understand why I'm really encouraging this, is people can... um, To preserve client anonymity, there's often screenshots taken without, um, without like indicating the name or person behind it, right? I think that's a good practice and I include that practice myself. Um, but it's hard to tell whether or not that is coming from multiple clients. And it's also hard to tell whether or not what the context is around it. So depending on how much context people give in their screenshots, Sometimes like a client will be celebrating something that happened that you literally had nothing to do with. Um, And that's not to say that it's not a reason to celebrate within a coaching container, but sometimes that context can get skewed as, for instance, like if a client just started working with me and they've been working on this contract for like a year and getting this person to, um, you know, 
to say yes to their contract. And that contract comes through a couple of days after we started working together. And it says, oh my gosh, I'm celebrating this 50K contract. That's not really the coaching result. I know this is arguable and it's probably a little controversial, but I I don't think that it makes sense for you to claim that the coaching work that you did led to the 50K contract, right? That would be a false correlation there. Of course, a coaching container is the right space to celebrate that, but the screenshot doesn't really show you that context. And so sometimes people take screenshots claiming results that may or may not be related to coaching. Um, I think sometimes people take the top, you know, 10% of their client results and showcase that. So maybe 90% of their clients are seeing no results or somewhat results. And then like 10% of their clients are seeing these incredible results, but they're only sharing the 10%. And so it really skews your perception of what's happening inside of the container. I think that's something that's really hard to discern without talking to clients. And I think the other thing that can be really useful with talking to past clients is you, you can hear beyond just the words, right? Beyond what people are saying, you can hear the tone, you can hear um, their articulation. And I think getting a diversity of opinions is really useful as opposed to, again, you could be reaching out to that one star client who had an amazing experience, but whose identities don't match up with yours. And so your experience may not be super aligned. I think it's just really, really useful to get that, especially if you've come out of having a bad experience to help you kind of level set and add an additional depth of perspective to the experience that you had with this person. Okay, so we're on step four. And step four, after you've kind of done your research and interviewed the coach, is to find some outside trusted perspective to support you in thinking about your decision. I think that people make the assumption that if you have to talk through your decision, that you are being codependent and you're not a free thinker. I think that is absolute bullshit. I can't tell you how many times my internal sense has been off because I was coming from projecting experiences and dealing with a lot of emotional confusion. And it took talking it out with people that really knew me, that I really trusted to be able to help me think through the things that were important to me for me to arrive at a completely different conclusion than I would have if I hadn't asked for their perspective. I think that this is extremely important when you are navigating a very emotionally charged situation. Again, this is not me by any means saying don't trust yourself. This is me saying level set your perspective with trusted people because you don't want your emotions to run the show in an opposite direction than what you want. I still think you should take this perspective and then process it and run it through your own, you know, internal truth detectors and and sit with it and process it and see what decision you ultimately want to make in light of these perspectives. But I personally believe that even if you have a really strong sense of your hell yeses and of your intuition, that's not actually going to be crushed by someone giving you an alternate perspective. When something is deeply aligned for you, I think if you go to trusted people who really know and love you and share that with them, they're not going to share a completely opposite perspective. 
And if they do, it might be because they're misunderstanding the facts and you need to clarify and give them all of the information. But it's it's rare that <laughs> that you're feeling like, hell yes, this is a great grounded truth and everyone you love is like, mm, but I think you're being stupid, right? So often those things are in alignment. I know it can be really hard if you don't have a lot of people like this in your life. Um, and often what I had done in periods where I didn't have this is I actually like did a little bit of journaling to myself and kind of got this outside perspective by kind of journaling with my higher self or other parts of myself. So I definitely think that there are ways to do this if you really don't have a support system that you can lean on. But if you do, I think it's so valuable to be able to bring some of these things and be like, you know, those things to notice that I talked about in step three, share that with them. Like, Oh, when I, when I engaged with their content and, and read some of their stuff, like it really didn't vibe with me because I felt like they were focusing on money too much, but I had a really good experience on the call with them and I left the call feeling really rattled. I felt like there were a lot of things that I wanted to change and it really opened up my perspective, but it it made me aware of how much work there is to do. Based on those feelings, you might in a silo decide, oh, this is not the coach for me. I don't feel good and comfortable and uh, I'm just not feeling great about it. But you might process that with someone you really trust and they might be like, you know what, you're really trying to create money. And I know it's been really hard because your family hasn't been supportive and your background doesn't include a lot of money. And, you know, people are telling you to be humble all the time, kind of makes sense that consuming the content really activated you. It also makes sense that you felt overwhelmed. But the overwhelm doesn't necessarily mean that this is not the right step for you. It might mean that this person really knows how to identify your gaps, right? And so that's just an example of how the signals that you might be getting don't actually lead you to what you want. And so it can be really just useful to have that third-party perspective. And I really encourage you to weave that into your process. Step five, I would say, and the final step in this five-step process of how to hire the right fit coach for you after a negative experience is to give yourself permission to try something and to hire someone and to get the support without it needing to be perfectly right, knowing that you can change your mind if it ultimately doesn't work out. And sometimes if this feels particularly activating, particularly if there is a large financial investment, see if there are some ways that you can create some safety for yourself in that, right? So one of the things that I ended up doing um, when I hired for my second coach was I saw if I could do like a paid session with, I actually did it with two different coaches um, that I were was kind of deciding between to see how it actually felt so that I wasn't like running away from the decision-making process, but I wasn't tying myself to a six or nine or 12 month commitment. I wanted to give myself that ability to back out if it didn't feel right and that was a really good way of me being able to do that. Maybe for you, that means looking at their cancellation clause and going, okay, what do I do if I start working with you and I actually feel like this is not what I need and not a fit? How, how would we negotiate that? 
right? And just seeing if the cost or the plan there that that coach has in place um, would work for you. See if that feels really terrible or feels really good and how that aligns with your risk tolerance. So I think one of the things that can happen after we have a really tough experience is we get very risk averse and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to never have that disappointing hard thing happen again. And the truth is that that kind of thinking doesn't help us take action. It really keeps us frozen and it keeps us second guessing, right? It means that you're like constantly second guessing your decision because you've kind of broken that trust muscle with yourself around your ability to make good decisions because maybe, again, maybe you're self-blaming for the investment you made in the past. Maybe you're taking responsibility for things that aren't your responsibility. Maybe you made choices that contributed to the negative experience um, and you're worried that you might make another bad choice, right? I think the best thing you can do is remind yourself that the decision that you make is not permanent and you have the ability to change it if it's not working for you. So the only thing you have to decide is the next step that you want to take. And then you get to change your mind later if something changes with new information. You don't have to make the perfect choice for the next year, two years, five years, 10 years. The decision that you only have to make is the decision based on the information you have now. You have to make the decision that anticipates the thousands of ways it could possibly ever go wrong. That is not your responsibility. All you have to do is make that decision in the present. So I hope that was useful for you. I think that this is a really tough thing to navigate, but I also just want to be an example and a reminder that it's normal, it's common. I want to be an advocate for being a discerning buyer and really giving yourself permission to interview the person who is going to be supporting you, the person to whom you may be paying thousands of dollars for their support. You have every right to fully investigate and discover whether they are the right fit for you. And you also have permission to let yourself process what really went wrong in your previous experiences so that you don't make the same mistakes, not in the sense that it is your responsibility, but in the sense of you now know what risks and what red flags to look for. And so now you have some green flags that you can use to support your process and make a better decision. Because with better information, we make better decisions. So I hope today's episode was very serving, gave you a couple of things to sink your teeth into as you make your next decision about the right fit coach for you. Of course, if there's anything that I can do to support you along your business journey, I would love to chat further with you. You are always welcome to book a no pressure discovery call with me. That link is available in the show notes and I will talk to you guys later. Feel free to send me an Instagram DM um, about how this episode landed for you, or if there's any questions or things that I didn't cover that you'd love to have some feedback and perspective on. I really want this to be a dialogue and conversation that we have in our space about how to find the right coaches and support for us, because I think that coaching is so transformative and that we need to be discerning buyers so that we can really get the full level of transformation and support that is available through coaching. I will talk to y'all next week. Bye y'all. 
Thank you for listening to Success for Whole Ass Humans. If you enjoyed this episode or have found this podcast valuable in your business journey, please leave us a review so that more people can find us and we can keep spreading the message that we get to be whole ass humans and create wild success. If you want to connect with me more, feel free to follow me on Instagram at Shari Bellucci, and I will see you all next time.